0: We have to learn to live and, you know, grow with that imperfection. Because I think in growing with that imperfection is when you make the right choice. You know, so it's a it's sort of that thing of I feel like you need to look at a bare wall long enough to kind of know I want to see this day every day.
1: In these last episodes, I've been talking about how People can try to identify their own style and begin the process of designing their own home. But I thought it was time we asked someone who didn't just use her amateur interest to design their own house, but has actually become a professional interior designer with her own practice. So, Vinitra Amarnathan runs We Spaces. It is a full service boutique interior design firm, which she started in 2013 when she was living in California and then relocated the business to Bangalore when she moved there. Vinitra says her love of decor and styling began as a child when she used to help her mum set up home whenever they moved to a new place. Almost a decade ago, after spending years in the field of finance as a banker, she decided to turn her passion into a career. Vinitra's got lots of great practical advice for anyone trying to figure out how to create a space for themselves. She's got tools, ideas, a lot of simple ways to figure out what works, and more importantly, what doesn't. I started our conversation by asking her how she went from finance to interior design and how she picked up the tricks and technicalities of the trade. So, Vinitra, so what I want to, I want you to share with us is the story of how, you started from being someone who was just interested in design as, as something that was, you know, an interest, a hobby, a passion perhaps. And now you're one of the most popular interior designers in the country. Um, So how did you go from banking to professional interior designer and how did you sort of teach yourself the tricks, the advice, you share so much information on Instagram with people about how to get things done. And I'm really keen to understand how you pick that up.
0: Thank you. Thanks, Manjung for that intro. Um, I think it was, um, I wouldn't call it a very planned journey. I think it was serendipitous, it was organic, and it was sort of learning along the way. For me, I think I grew up in a household where both my parents were really keen on, you know, um, decor, art, paintings, sculptures. Um, They were obviously in a different climate because we moved a lot and you know, a lot of the times my parents would look at local art, like, uh, you know, what is specific to the region that we're going to live in right now sort of thing. But it was always a conversation at home. And uh, they would take the trouble to go visit sort of, you know, a certain sculptor somewhere or some kind of painting that is famous to the place. So we grew up in that environment. And I think it sort of stuck with me that, you know, walls are meant for hanging art or that, you know, um, furniture is meant to be uh, thought through and comfortable and all of that stuff. And my mom always had these books that she would buy and draw and that kind of stuff. So I think that was the start in the beginning. But for me to shift from something like banking to interior design didn't happen overnight because I think the biggest change came in when I was confident with myself. You know what I mean? So uh, I think a lot of the times we work with our own homes and uh, we feel that, you know, this is something I like. But then to have it judged by everyone around you is a whole different thing. So um, I think to come to that place where you start to feel confident of your own choices is a journey. And I think the things that really worked for me was... um, The first thing is taking time. And I say that even today to all my clients that design doesn't happen overnight. You know, this whole philosophy that we've all cultivated that boom, six months, the home has to be ready, finished, photographed and everything is is nice in one way, but it doesn't have that collected feeling. You know what I mean? That comes over time. And it's okay if something's not perfect. We have to learn to live And, you know, grow with that imperfection, because I think in growing with that imperfection is when you make the right choice. You know, so it's a it's sort of that thing of I feel like you need to look at a bare wall long enough to kind of know I want to see this day every day. So I I feel like time is something that we need and we should, you know, be okay and comfortable with taking time. That's one thing. The second thing, which might be a little contrary to that, is that um, don't overthink your choices. I've, you know, right from the beginning, I think what I've done is I have just gone ahead and done what I thought was right. And for a long time, I wasn't in the interior design field at all but i've always decorated my home all my friends have always come home and say hey wow that looks cool what did you do there or how did you think of doing that can you do it for us you know and i think uh, the whole idea was to be unafraid to be able to experiment and if we don't do it in our homes where will we do it you know so i think that's another approach that i really encourage people to it's okay if it goes wrong. So that's
1: a place that I want to just ask you a bit about because one of the things that we discussed in a, in, in our previous episodes is how to figure out what your home, what your style is, right? Because honestly, with interior design, a lot of it is just about what not to buy because there's so much out there. And I'm curious for your take on... So my take was that people... Could look, for instance, into their own wardrobes, because what we wear is often the clearest and simplest and easiest place to start, right, in figuring out your own style. Um, but I'm curious about where you started to look, because you, you've described your style as sort of, you know, contemporary California inspired because you spend a lot of time living in uh, L.A., So I'm curious to understand, and maybe we can help people understand, where is a good place to start looking from?
0: I think your own home, for me, my first starting point was my parents' home. You know, when I set up my first home, uh, that's the first place I looked to. I went back and I told my parents, look, I have an empty blank house. Can I take something from here? and uh, both my parents were like yes you can but you know there are some things you can't so, <laughs> you know they had these prized possessions and uh, they knew I was young so they said you can't take anything from here but the rest of it let us know what you want and I started small you know I took like a, I remember I took a museum uh, print that they had got from somewhere and it had a Buddha face in it and um, I said okay I like this can I take it in this trip and they would be like okay so it's not like I would go and literally Raid the house, but I would pick that one or two things that I felt, um, you know, I liked in my parents' home, bring it back. And I was also someone who, um, you know, I like to. I don't know if thrift is the right word, but um, you know, I lived in Bombay for a very long time, so I would go to Oshiwara, chore Bazaar, you know, walk around and see, and. Keep going back, and then if I like something, I would then commit to it after you know, like a few attempts of seeing it. Yeah, um, sleep
1: over it. Think sleep of, you know, over it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Does it haunt um, you enough? Then you <laughs>
0: yeah. Are... <laughs> and then sometimes you know, it's as simple as I will have something in mind and I can't find it, um, and you know, you sort of make that compromise and say, okay, this is the closest, and let me um, you know try getting it. But I think. How someone finds the inspiration is very different from person to person. Um, uh, I'm very visual I like to see a lot of things. So you know for me the whole idea of going to my parents' home and picking something or going to a market is because I'm able to see and and that was important for me. For someone else, it could just be, you know, looking at different magazines and trying to sort of cut things out. And I've done that too. You know, I found that somewhat helpful at at a certain stage of my life where, you know, I felt like, now I want to be a little bit more grown up in my design. I don't want to be a, a thrift person all the time. You know what I mean? So then I went into that stage where I would cut out things and I would paste them um, on a large piece of paper. And I would see if this works with this, if this doesn't work with this. And then, of course, you know, uh, I feel like, again, design is dynamic. We evolve. So what you liked uh, two years back, you may not like now. And and that's OK. And, you know, it's OK to say, OK, I'm ready to with this now and bring something new in Um, and in doing that I think you start to look at things like scale uh, proportion you know Um, you may think that this is lovely but when it comes home it's not anymore you know it's too small for the space or it doesn't fit with the old couch that you already had so I think a lot of it is just experimentative in nature which is why you know I just feel like sometimes you have to be a bit unafraid Uh, and test waters and see what's working, what's not. But yeah, I think those were things I found really helpful, you know. Um, Slowly, the whole thing of cutting out from a magazine transformed into PowerPoint for me. You know, when I moved to the US and I was setting up my own home, I started to look at HGTV and Pinterest and, you know, oh my gosh, there's so much going on here, what do I do? Um, So then I started to piece elements together and start seeing them together to sort of make a visual landscape of, you know, things. So I feel like that's how I slowly progressed into one stage to another.
1: So there are two things from that that I want to sort of explore. One is the, you know, putting together those images and as an extension of that, creating a mood board, right? Everybody talks about creating a mood board, and I, I and I feel like that's something that for most people it's hard to understand are there specifically three or four elements that should be part of the mood board? Where should I
0: start? What is like, you know, where do I begin putting together and what is a mood board? Good question. I think, uh, you know, maybe when we started, I started, I didn't even know it was called a mood board. So (laughs) I think I started at a place where I liked too many things. And I didn't know, <laughs> yeah. what do I do? Because, you know, we I moved from Bombay where the availability of things was restricted. So, you know, your choices were restricted um, to a place where there was just too much of everything everywhere. And then um, here I was trying to set up a house and I was like, where do I go? What do I do? So I simply started with, let's say, a couch. You know, four different couches that I liked. I put it down and then I started building. You know, I started saying, okay, if I get this couch, what kind of chair can I get with it? If I get this chair and this couch, I need a rug now. Maybe this rug doesn't work anymore, you know? So it was, it's a process of you seeing elements together. And I always suggest start with the biggest element, you know, because uh, it makes it that much easier. Um, uh, Or let's say you saw a rug and you absolutely loved it. Start with a rug, then you know, and then see what works with the rug. So there has to be one starting point, and it's always better if it's a larger piece because then it helps you ground your design uh, with something. And I know it's 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 commitment phobic in a way. You know, I don't (laughs) want to commit to the largest piece, but I guess you do. You know, and that makes it easier. Uh, But I think a mood board could always start with maybe even a color palette sometimes. You know, um, like smaller rooms like a nursery. I think that's helpful. Sometimes you feel like, oh, I really want to do the mint green and the coral combo or something of that sort. And you could start there. You could start with a, you know, piece of textile maybe. But I think for a starter, for someone who's new into it, I always feel like starting with a nice big piece of furniture or a big rug is easier to work with. And build on. And never never go for the whole set, right? No, please never. Never. <laughs> <laughs> so that, see, that's something I never did. Even when I was my... I felt like it was, you know, it was too easy sometimes. I would be like, no, no, I can't do it this way. Everyone has it. So I've got to... Break out from the clutter. I have to do something my way, kind of thing. But uh, yes, don't do the sets. Uh, don't do the beds in the bags that you know. So you mentioned
1: HGTV, um, and I just wanted to see. You know, I mean, everybody has either books or magazines or, or, or you know, TV shows. What were some of the th- what are what were some of the things that you looked at and found? Oh, okay, wow, that's a great idea. I can, you know, work off of that.
0: Oh, hugely. I was so inspired by so many shows that HGTV had at that time. One of my favorites was uh, Style with Emily Henderson. And um, I remember when she started her show um, and she started putting together rooms, the first thing that struck me was, oh my gosh, she's doing the kind of stuff I would do. You know, because um, a lot of the stuff that I was seeing until then was, um, how do I say, very similar very very uh, sort of uh, western and put together in a in a way that was foreign to me then you know because i was from india and i had seen things differently. I'd seen a lot more color. I had seen shapes that were different. But the minute I saw this show, I remember, um, you know, she had this perspective of bringing in a global touch to design, or thrifted pieces, or stuff that we nowadays call as, you know, bohemian, etc. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, wow, if she can put these kind of things together, then I don't really have to go so out of my own box. I can have my individual style here. Because, you know, I was struggling with art that was Indian at that time for for the space that I was in. And um, I just felt like, how can I put this tanka painting with this couch? But when I saw that, I was like, yes, I can. And it looks great. So, you know, so those kind of um, shows uh, sort of helped me uh, hugely in embracing my style. Uh, I think, like I was saying to you before, a lot of the times we are not confident of what we like we second guess it because we haven't seen it anywhere else and i think at some level we all want that sense of conformity right that um it fits so um i think in that sense the shows were really helpful also because like i said i'm super visual i like to see things more than read things um so i think um from that aspect, you know, even seeing homes which were getting flipped and how do people sort of DIY things or use, um, you know, um, inexpensive ways to turn a space around. How does paint work? These are little, little things that I actually um, picked up, you know, because before that, my thought of paint was it all has to be cream. We always lived in a government house and it was always white or cream. (laughs) So, you know, so I think those kind of things help me um uh you know make that sort of shift and uh, I'm um,
1: interested to also understand I mean when you're working with clients and clients are coming in not always able to articulate perhaps what they want so what do you how do you how do you uh, you know how do you figure that out what are what are the some of the things that you of course conversation is one but is there any sort of visual documentation or something that you ask them to put together so that you can better uh, like you said you're a visual person so how do you get into someone else's idea of what their home should be.
0: We use Pinterest a lot, and I say this with trepidation. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Pinterest but, boards. Yeah, Share Pinterest, boards. Pinterest we, boards. We we yeah.
0: start our Pinterest board for our clients as soon as they um, you know walk into the project, and I for the first one month or so I don't pin at all. Uh, none of us from the team pins, you know, we only want them to pin. And I always tell them, do not think about, can this work in my space? Or uh, do I have room for this? Or do I have the scale? Just pin what you love. And you know, um, and it will help me understand who you are. What are you gravitating to? Are you someone who likes so and so style versus so and so style, or you know, uh, so there's some some sort of a trend that we we will be able to see. Um, and then when I start working on their design, I pin a lot too, and I keep telling them that hey, um, you know, now look at it in context of your space. Because I am looking at it in context of your space. I'm not looking at it, um, you know, as a sort of a a nice to do activity anymore or just reading you activity. Now I'm trying to look at it. Can I make this happen? Does it fit? Does it work kind of thing? So that's really how we interact. We use the tool more to interact with each other than to um, even design. And, um, you know, uh, because the way I use Pinterest also is, Different in the sense I'm looking for a visual to articulate what I have in my mind. So I'm looking at very pointed things, you know. I'm not uh, surfing and looking for inspiration as much as I'm looking to deliver my thought to the client. Um, And then once I have that, I will tell them, hey, look, this is kind of what I was thinking. Does this make sense to you? What are you thinking? You know, so that's how we really interact with a picture. And that's intentional, because I feel like with words, you're always kind of um, lost in translation. Yeah. And it could have so many meanings, right? So I many mean, meanings. What's yeah. modern to you is not modern to me and stuff like that. So we, we do avoid that completely. And... Um, stick to something of this nature but it could be anything you know sometimes you know clients have pictures that they've taken in friends homes or uh, something you know that they traveled and found and uh, I just tell them to pin all of that too so it's all in one place you know.
1: I want to dial back to the question of mood boards one more time are there are there specific things that um, people should try and look at on a mood board say you begin with that one large piece but are there other bits perhaps textures perhaps fabrics um and and when we say mood board i mean you know you mentioned a piece of paper with pictures right Um, so if you could just elaborate on that and say what are the elements ideally that people should pin to one place and put together so that they can sort of see everything in context.
0: So when, uh, and this is again, uh, the way I use it, not necessarily even everyone in my team, I, I keep telling them, you should do your own thing. But for me, I think I use a design board as a way to create the visual of the whole space you know. So um, most of my design boards or mood boards will actually not have material palettes and that kind of stuff. They are actual pieces of furniture, rugs and art, and I need to see all of them together, you know. So that's how I use it. But um, we do do vision boards. We do material palettes for our clients to begin with. And there we like to have things like, you know, does this color marble work with this color wood flooring, uh, with this color paint? You know, that is that is something that, you know, we do. But if I were to look at it from a homeowner's perspective, um, I, I feel like, you know, it would be nice to at least put your pieces of furniture next to each other and see. Are they vibing well? Because, at you know, at some point, um, while we may not all know about different styles, of uh, design, it's important to kind of stay in the period, I feel like. Um, and, and I see a lot of that mixing up and it it bothers me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you were gonna say it hurts your eye, weren't you?
0: <laughs> I was gonna say that. But you know, it's like, uh, it was, you know, uh, suddenly mid-century meets uh, something completely off. And uh, then obviously, perspective and proportion and everything shifts for me. So to prevent that from happening i feel like put your pieces of furniture next to each other it's important you know you yourself will notice that a wingback chair works better in corners it does not work in the middle of a room because it has a high back it's cutting your visual you know those kind of smaller simpler details um or if you have a chesterfield and a wingback next to each other you've how how you know so those kind of little things uh, will help you um but i think try to put in smaller details like curtains they make a huge difference rugs you know lamps lighting is often ignored but uh, i think lighting should always be one of the key parts of your mood board um, because if you're not able to bring in the lighting at that stage it will almost always feel like it was an afterthought you know Uh, and it won't gel well. So I think those are some of the things I always do. I will always have my curtains on my mood board. I need to know right at the beginning, um, what is the fabric, uh, you know, story in this room? Uh, Is it going to take a backseat? Is it going to be the hero? What else is going to work with it, you know? So I think those kind of things will sort of help piece it together.
1: So one, um, one last thing that I wanted to discuss is about the color of the room right I mean paint is really the all I mean it's the first thing that you sense it's the first thing that you obviously see how do you work out paint colors for a space because you've 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 always experimented and done so many interesting things with color so uh, how do you work that out
0: so I think um, you know Sometimes we have a starting point. Sometimes we know that there is this beautiful piece of art that a client has and we're going to work around that. Or sometimes we know that there is a certain kind of rug that we've already envisioned. You know, so when we have that starting point, then paint sort of works around the starting point much like everything else. But I guess when you have a blank slate, I, I follow what you said earlier, I always look to my closet. And I think that, you know, people should... Because that's one of the best places to see what colors you're liking. I think one of the best places to look to is your own closet. So you know uh, from what you're wearing that those are the colors that you typically gravitate to. It's very representative in a way of, uh, you know, the kind of style that you might have or the kind of uh, colors that you might like. Um, The other thing that I also think is a good idea is to, you know, have cutouts of spaces that you've liked. Uh, Or if it's a mood board, it could be a mood board. But um, look at a trend within them. You know, it doesn't have to have the same color palette, but typically um, it will define to you whether you are liking a bolder color palette versus a lighter color palette, or I, is there a specific color that you keep going back to? You know, um, Maybe red is your favorite color and you see a little bit of red everywhere. And uh, then I think you bring it down to starting to interpret that, OK, I love this color and I want it, but in what dose do I want it? Am I ready to commit to a red couch? You know, or do I want to have red as a rug on the floor? That could be another way. So I think that's how I would say um, break it down for yourself uh, and see. And
1: how do you test colors? Because I feel like people, you know, you pick a color um, in a paint shop, you come home, you put it on before you paint the entire thing and then realize that it doesn't look like what you thought it was going to look like. What are your tips for figuring out if the paint... Looks the way it's looks the way it's supposed to.
0: I think you must must sample your paint on the wall. You get 200 ml cans from any paint store. Uh, I have pretty much a whole store now. <laughs> <Sampled>. <laughs> My painters like. Ma'am, for one color, if we sample 10, it's not okay. I'm like, no, no, it's okay. So, so don't be afraid to do that. Get maybe five different whites if you have to. It's a small investment. Um, swatch them on a wall where there is a good amount of light because light plays a huge role in how your paint looks. And come back the next day. Let it dry you know come back the next day and uh, look at it um, take photographs of it and you can see the difference and then you know go ahead and paint your entire wall
1: do you test it in different lights i mean do you te- you know do you check it at night do you check it at in the in the afternoon
0: i don't check it at night and afternoon but what i like to do is i test it across three four walls in the same room because every wall gets different kind of light you know, and uh, we don't want a white, let's say, that works on one wall, but it makes another wall look flat. So we want it to kind of have a nice vibe for the whole room. Um, but I do only check it in natural daylight, mostly. So as someone who's
1: gone from, you know, amateur to professional designer, um, what would be, you know, um, a piece of advice that you would leave the audience with?
0: I think have fun. Have fun with design. That's what it's meant to be. The process is meant to be enjoyable. And I say this to all my clients. We want you to have fun through this process. It's not something that you should feel so, how do I say pulled down or weighed down by or, you know, worried about, is it—is it the right choice, is it not the right choice kind of thing, you know? I feel like somewhere there has to be a bit of spontaneity and playfulness in design. And um, of course, for the larger choices, you know, uh, there are 3D views and there are renders and there are lots of designers that you, who can handhold you. But I think there's a place for that. And that's it, you know? we I feel like nowadays we want to see everything And (laughs) yeah, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I feel like that spontaneity in design is slowly receding. And I want it all to come back. You know, um, there is a fun in doing up the space and then coming to it, seeing a blank spot and saying, oh, wow, now what if we did this here? It would look so cool. I think some of my best works have happened that way. You know, Uh, some of the best projects I have done or where people come and ask me, it's always been that last minute thing oh, uh, let's put a Suzani Rana here, or let's put, you know, something else. I think we should do that.
1: And it's, I mean, it's it's what you said at the beginning as well. It takes time, right? And it just, just allow it to take time.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much, Vinitra. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Thank you, Vinitra, for sharing your design journey with us. I'm so glad that she pointed out that people should just have fun with the process. But even as you do, you can stick to Vinitra's basic principles, which are Stay in the style if your pieces are going to be sitting next to each other. And how do you tell if they're going to work with one another? Well, take pictures of each piece and put it together on a mood board and see if it'll work. And start with the biggest element like a sofa or a rug. And very, very importantly, as Vinitra pointed out, never buy a whole set. But as Nike says just do it (laughs) anyway if you need more advice and lots of inspiration check out beautifulhomes.com or follow us on our social media channels including beautifulhomes.india on instagram and our youtube channel which has lots of lovely real home tour videos for inspiration happy decorating just listen to the let's talk decor podcast with your host Manju Sara Rajan follow our podcast on apple spotify and other major podcasting platforms let's talk decor is an initiative from beautifulhomes.com which is india's largest decor and design platform and it is a part of asian paints beautiful home services brings customized interior design to everyone allowing clients to create their dream homes with expert designers with the end to end project management guarantee that's part of Asian Paints. If you'd like to know more about BHS and everything else under the decor category of Asian Paints, then do log on to beautifulhomes.com. This episode of Let's Talk Decor is produced by Nikhil Dintakurti and sound design partner Smart Voice Studio.